Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Pastor asked me this morning before service to minister, and right away I had these scriptures on my heart. So I just want to look at this in Mark chapter 4. A passage of scripture that, that we know very well around here that, that we've heard and, and read. So we're just going to endeavor to follow the Holy Ghost tonight and, and uh, say what he wants us to say and nothing more. Amen. And uh, Matthew or Mark, did I say Mark or Matthew? Mark. Mark chapter 4 in the 13th verse. This is the parable of the sower. It says, uh, uh, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they do not have root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when afterward, 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 afterward. A little bit of uh, south, south, uh, southern United States coming out in my talking tonight. After, afterward, that doesn't sound right either. But afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. Those are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground, who hear, those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. I just had this passage of scripture, uh, this, this section of scriptures on my heart tonight, and I just want to look at a, a few things. There are four different uh, stages uh, uh, or portions here that are mentioned in the scripture, and Looking at it today, there kind of looked at it this way. There's four different stages in the life of the believer uh, when it comes with our walk in the things of God and our development. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that uh, it's our goal, obviously. We all want to be in, in, in the, the last section, right? Uh, we want to be mentioned in the last and, and not just uh, mentioned, but we want to finish in the last portion of Scripture there. And... Um, you know, that ought to be the heart of every believer, everybody who knows the Lord, that ought to be their desire to, to, to produce. You know, I want to produce things for the kingdom of God. I want, to, I want my life to be fruitful. Uh, I want my life to, to um, accomplish something. You know, I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that Jesus uh, has accomplished a lot for me, so it's, it's only fitting that I accomplish something uh, for him. Amen? And there's a varying degree here that some will uh, uh, produce 30, some 60, some 100, and and, um, you know, really how we produce is up to us. But uh, there's four different things here that, that we want to look at tonight. Uh, the first one being in, in the 15th verse. Uh, we'll just look at this. And these are the ones sown by the wayside where, or wayside where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Uh, this first area, like I said, these are things that we know and things that we're aware of, but they'll just be uh, good foundation reminders for us. Like I said, this is what was on my heart tonight. But uh, this first area uh, is, is the, the area of our life where we are growing in the knowledge of God. 
And, you know, in order for us to produce, we have to grow in the knowledge of God. It's something that's key uh, in our life. And, and it's not just a matter of knowing scriptures. You know, knowing, uh, knowing a lot of verses is good. Uh, knowing a lot of scriptures, uh, if you knew a lot of Bible verses, that's, that's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm endeavoring to grow in my knowledge of, of, you know, quoting scriptures. Those things are great. That ought to be something that, that we're, uh, we're all looking forward to and, and growing towards. But, you know, knowing a lot of scriptures in and of itself doesn't, uh, necessarily mean that we're going to produce 30, 60, and some 100. It doesn't mean that. Uh, there's an individual that knows the Bible far more than any of us, and uh, he's not producing for the kingdom of God at all. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about our adversary. He knows scripture. I guarantee that he knows scripture. But he understands it. He has knowledge of scripture, but you, we can see by that example there that knowing scripture uh, there, there are different levels of knowing this, knowing the word and have and receiving the word. There's different levels. And the enemy knows the word, but he doesn't understand the word. It's not revelation to him. And uh, this first area really is talking about those that, that hear the word and immediately Satan comes and tries to take that word that's sown into their hearts. And, and this is something that the enemy is after all of us. And I just say tonight, this would be an area that we all need to make sure that we're on guard because, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, whether you're a new believer or a, or a, or a long-term believer, the enemy tries to come anytime you hear something or rehear something when the word is sown into your heart, the enemy always tries to come and get those things from you. He's always looking for an opportunity to, to take the word that is sown and just have it be something that you hear that goes in one ear, as the saying goes, in one ear and out the other, right? You hear it and it just passes through and doesn't really, doesn't re register, doesn't do anything. And so he's always after that, you know, the enemy is uh, uh, very much afraid of a believer that gets a hold of the word of God and lets it, uh, it begins to, uh, uh, to, to get pushed down, so to speak, in the soil of their life into their heart where it gains root. The enemy does not want that to happen. You know, if you were to seed something, if you just sprinkle the seed, you can have the best seed in the world. Uh, I'm not a farmer, obviously, but, but I've tried to plant some things and do some things. Uh, uh, if, you, if you just were to go out and buy a bunch of seed for your yard and just scatter it all over your yard, but, and, and that's all you did, you know that that seed is not gonna really produce if it's not uh, uh, planted into something where it can grow. It's, it's seed and it's got all the power of the seed that's necessary. Everything that's, that's necessary for it to produce the, uh, whatever it is you're trying to harvest, whatever it is that you want it to grow in your, life, in your yard, your field, whatever, it's got all the power there that it needs. But unless it gets embedded into the soil of your life, it's just not gonna produce, right? We know that, don't we? This is something that we know. Uh, but, you know, it's easy, like I said, uh, uh, when we hear things to, especially when we've heard them before, uh, to let things, uh, yeah, I know that, but not make sure that that specific word that you're receiving today is one that you're pushing down in the dirt. You know, just because you've received, you have seed and you pushed it down into the dirt and received a crop of, of whatever it is in the past, if you want another crop, you've got to make sure that same seed gets pushed back down into the ground, Right? I mean, just because it's produced one year doesn't mean the next year it's going to produce for you unless you get that seed for that crop, that harvest into, that, into your ground that time, right? And, you know, I've grown up in this church and, and grown up around these things, heard these things my whole life. And, and you know, I've been there where you hear things and oh, I've heard that, I've heard that, I've heard that. And, and, and you're not careful to make sure that that seed, what you're hearing, you know, anytime the Lord brings something to our attention, you know, we're not adding new books to the Bible, 
And if anybody says they have a new book, well, you need to be aware, aware, wary of that person, you know, because uh, the Lord isn't giving us new books. Now, I will say this, the Lord is doing, still doing things, but he's not giving us new scripture to live by. And if anybody has, they, says they found a new book for you, well, you need to be careful of that. But, um, uh, you know, we, we, there's, not, there's not new things being written, but there's still new life new truth, new, uh, new blessings, new harvest, new reality to be found in the word that we have heard and are hearing, yes. right? I mean, it, it's something that, that every time we come together, the things that are ministering, pastors have been ministering on faith, and we've heard pastors speak about faith uh, uh, many times in the past. There is something new today, right? There's something new now that the Lord wants to, uh, uh, wants to get across to us, uh, there, there's a new crop that he wants to provide. There's a new crop that he wants to grow. There are new things that he wants to do. But every time we hear that, we've got to do something with that word. Amen. And this is, you know, it, it, how do you get the word into your heart? How, how is it something that, that the word gets, gets registered in your heart? Well, it comes a part of renewing your mind. That, that's, that's the best way to get something in your heart is renewing your mind. And I know it's something that I talk about all the time, but it's something that the Lord just always keeps bringing back to my attention. The importance of taking a hold of the word and making sure that you're not just having information, but you're getting revelation. You're getting insight to what it means, how it applies, and you make it a part of who you are, right? And so the, 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 the process of, of, of receiving the word with meekness, receiving it into your life, is a process that all, none of us outgrow. Brother Hagin said the greatest need in the church is for the renewing of the mind. If your mind is renewed, the word, if you're, if you're diligent to renew your mind, the word will find root in your heart. It'll, revelation will come. Things that will register on the inside and the power of the things that you hear will be planted into your life and they will produce. Are you out there tonight? They will produce if you'll get them. You know, a lot of times we, I think we, 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 we judge the power of God's word based upon our past experiences and we can't do that. Amen. You know, what God can do for you today is not limited by what you experienced yesterday. Right. right? What he wants to do for you today is not limited by what he did for somebody else yesterday. You know, everything that the word of God promises, everything that, that the Bible teaches, every word that's written here, everything that, that is written down for our benefit has the power to produce well beyond anything any of us have ever seen. You realize that, that no matter how good you've seen, how, no matter how much that God has done for you, how much you've understood in the past, what kind of, what kind, what has produced in your life before, there's more that God has for you. Amen. There's more. 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 Everybody say more. There's more for me. There's more for you. And so, you know, every time we get a hold of this, it's a constant uh, uh, work uh, uh, to, I don't know about you, but you know, there, there are things I've heard a hundred thousand times and then I'll hear something and realize, well, I tell you, I, I never saw that before. That's something that, that, that I saw in a different light that I realized where I can make an adjustment and be more productive, right? And so renewing your mind is such a vital thing. Paul in Ephesians, uh, he said, I, don't make, I cease to, to make, not to make mention of you in your, my prayers. You'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's not just uh, uh, understanding or, or mental, you know, knowledge puffs up, right? 
knowledge alone puffs up. We're talking about revelation, getting a hold of the truth behind it. And he said, I, I, I pray always that you would, uh, God would grant to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of, of him, right? He said that in, in, in uh, Colossians, I believe, uh, let me look, turn over there. You go over to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, he said this, said something similar in Philippians, I believe Philippians 1.9. <clears throat> Uh, uh, Philippians 1 9 and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the no, in in knowledge and all under and discernment uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 for this reason we also since the day we heard of it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding spiritual understanding you know when you the, anything we hear we have the choice whether or not it registers on us and gets implanted in our life or not. And we do that by letting it change the way we think and the way we respond to things, right? If you'll do that, the word will gain entrance into your heart. It will gain entrance into your heart. And the enemy, I guarantee you, is petrified of believers, of people getting a hold of the word of God, not just information, but having revelation on what it means to them, who they are in Christ, who, what they can do, what they can have, the influence they can have for the kingdom of God. The enemy is scared to death that we get a hold of that. And every, every step along the way, he, every, every step forward you take, every bit of ground you acquire, the enemy does not want you to have that. And he comes immediately to steal those things. He does. He comes immediately to steal these things. It's the first place where the enemy comes after you is in your, is in your mind and in the revelation of God's word. It's the first way, the time, the, the first area the enemy comes after you. And it's something that we have to safeguard ourselves against, right? And stay diligent to not let these things become old news, but make sure that they uh, are fresh to us, amen? We've got to get these things in our hearts and stay in our hearts, amen? Go through and back to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark chapter four. So this is the first area. The, fir the first phase is hearing the word of God and letting it register in your hearts, uh, We'll read verse 15 again. And these are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so only endure for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Notice it's for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. This is moving from the area of hearing the word to obeying the word. This is where this, this, is where this falls in for us is not just hearing the word, letting it become implanted in our life, but then obeying and sticking with the things that we hear. Amen. It's important that we, uh, 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 that we stay with this, amen, that we keep ourselves in this position to where uh, uh, we are not just growing in the knowledge of God, but then we're obeying what the word says. Obeying the word. You know, pastor this morning was talking and talking about faith and talking about kids and talked about finances to the, the subjects you don't want to talk about in church, you know. Why is that? Because people don't want to respond in those areas, they, they, they want to hear things, but they don't want to respond in those areas. It's the responding. Listen, what's worse for the enemy's sake is not just hearing something, but a believer who'll then do it. 
He knows that as parents, if we do what the word says where our kid's concerned, well, then the next generation is just going to be, they're going to be messing with him all the time, right? And he knows that if we hear the word in the area of finances and we just do what the word says, just simply take God at his word and just obey, he understands that, that if we'll do that, if people will just do that, then that's an area that the enemy, he can't use against us to try to, uh, to, to keep us from, uh, from producing for the kingdom of God, right? So the enemy is absolutely dead set against us being hearers of the word and 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 not and, and then also being doers go over to James the first chapter James chapter 1 a scripture that you all know but you know he wrote it wrote it down for us and put it there in in our writing or in writing for us so we could see these things it says verse 22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only notice deceiving yourselves a person who won't be a doer of the things they hear, they're not deceived by the enemy, they're deceived by themselves. And so it says, be a doer of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself or anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, notice, will be blessed in what he does. Notice it's not, being blessed is not the one who hears it alone. Being blessed is the one who hears it and does it. It's not just in hearing it, it's the hearing and the doing of the word that someone is blessed in what he does. We, we think, you know, like I said, renewing your mind is important. Getting the word embedded in your heart uh, is vital. Uh, scripture I read a couple weeks ago, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. We understand that the word of God is powerful, but that scripture says if you are my disciples, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you're my disciples. A disciple is a follower. There's action that's taking place there. It says not just hearing, but it's putting those things into practice in your life. Amen? If we'll do that, then we know that we'll have the things that we were, that, that, that the word promises. It'll produce what it's supposed to produce. Well, what does that mean? Anytime we hear something and we see something in the word and we, or we hear something ministered and we know that it lines up with the scripture, we just obey those things. And we all know of areas, an area, you know, not being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If, 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 if you're unequally yoked together with an unbeliever and you hear that scripture that the Lord tells us not to be, if you are, then you get yourself unyoked, right? I mean, you take whatever the, te- the steps are, you make whatever adjustments are necessary. I'm reminded of what, you know, Mary told the, the, the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Like I said, it wasn't Nike's slogan, it was Mary's slogan. Whatever he says to do, just do it. And so if you'll just simply obey those things, you know, if you get it, well, what if I do this, what if I, no, what does the word say? What does, what does the word say? This is an area where we need to be literal. You know, we're so accustomed to, to seeing shades of things, aren't we? I mean, you know, everything you hear on the news, you read, I mean, there, there are angles and, and, and perspectives and, and applications here, but in this area, it doesn't really apply, really based upon where, where you're coming from. Because really, really, when we hear things from people, and, and we're all guilty of it ourselves, it's always tainted with our own ambition, our own goals, our own perspectives, right? And so we, 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 we grow accustomed, the older you get, you hear something, but then you analyze it. 
You analyze it, and, and we ought to be analyzing the word. It's not what I'm saying, but I'm talking about being, being literal with what the word says. If it simply says this, then just do that. Well, but what if I do this? No, if it says this, just do this. If it tells you to do it, just do it, right? And so the enemy, like I said, he is, is petrified of an individual who will hear the word and then begin to do it. But it's interesting, as soon as we start doing what the word says, opposition comes, have you ever noticed, opposition comes immediately. Anytime you take a stand, you get a hold of something, and you start to step out in that direction, what happens? You get opposition. Have you ever had it made, a, made a bold statement, a bold confession about your life? You just get a hold of something in God's word, you know, and you say, you see what, you see it, it registers on your heart, you have clear insight on what the word means and it's just so real and so alive to you you're so excited and you get so excited and you make a stand maybe you get up and say something I'll, I'll not have this or I'm going to do this and as soon as it comes out of your mouth anybody been there before or is it just me why does it happen because the enemy wants you to not do what the word says the enemy does not want you to do what the word says. You, he, if he can't get you to, to stop at the, at the level of just hearing it and not let it register on your heart, he's going to try to stop you at the level of it register but doing something about it. Right? right? He's going to try to get you to stop there. Opposition will come. This is something that, that, that you know, the Lord has, has reminded me of here lately a lot, and I've seen it. And just, you know, as we move forward, we have to know that opposition will come. Opposition will come. We will have opposition. We will have opposition. Sometimes the biggest opposition is in your mind. I don't know about you, but that, that's sometimes the biggest opposition is in my own mind. Right? Well, we have a weapon that is a very powerful weapon. And we can cast down and break down every stronghold, right? Every thought that comes in, we deal with those things. We bring, in them, bring them into submission to God's word. But you have to do something. Opposition will come. You know, when opposition comes, don't think you're missing it. Recognize it for what it is. This is important. You know, so I realize sometimes we, things happen and, and, you know, it's a result of our own, our own doings, right? I mean, not being faithful here or, or, you know, copping an attitude here or not doing what you're supposed to over here. I mean, opposition comes, it's our own doing. We all know that. And when those situations arise, generally, we all know what it is. I don't know about you, but if, if, if something's happening and it's, my, it's because of something I did or, or something I didn't do, sometimes it's, it's knowing what you should do and you just didn't do it, right? And opposition comes then, you know, or, or some circumstance arises, we know what that is, but a lot of times opposition arises when you're doing what God told you to do. You know, if opposition were uh, the trademark or if, op if no opposition means we were moving forward, then the Apostle Paul never went anywhere. Right? Go over to uh, 2 Corinthians. See, I've been there, and I'm sure you've been there before. But like I said, if we're going to move forward, we, we know that opposition is going to come. And whether you're experiencing opposition or not, I guarantee you will experience opposition. And when, and when it comes, see it for what it is. See it for what it is. See it for what it is. You know, Paul, uh, in, in, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I always love these scriptures, you know, because anytime you feel like you've got it bad, just go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Anytime you think, oh, it's just getting difficult, you know, anytime you think I'm just really struggling, read what Paul went through. I mean, and, and, and like I said, a lot of times, and, and this is the lie, 
opposition will come, it's always to try to put, if you'll just stop, there's always this thought or this temptation. If I'll just step back, things will get better. You make a bold statement about something in your body, you know, uh, you get a hold of the truth of God's word where healing is concerned in some area in your body and, and, and you make a bold stand. You say, I'm not going to have this. And you start experiencing some victory and you get up, you tell somebody, well, Lord's been doing this for me. The next day you have the worst problem in the world with that same thing, right? Anybody been there but me? I'm that thing. And it seems like it's back and it's bigger than it ever was, right? Why is that? It's because the enemy's bringing opposition against you. The enemy's bringing opposition. One minister said this, and I thought it was so good. You know, when, when uh, he was talking about a different subject entirely, but, uh, uh, you know, when, when you pray for things, you're believing God for things, and there's opposition. There's just circumstances aren't changing. Or maybe you've had, you've experienced some victory, and you, like I said tonight, you take a bold stand, and this thing rears its ugly head seemingly bigger than, than ever. You know, it's all about there's another tree been planted in your garden. What was he talking about? In the Garden of Eden, you had the tree of life and all the things that God had provided, but you had the one tree they weren't supposed to be messing with. They had to have an option. There's always the option is always there to either keep your eyes on God or look at something else. To, to go after what he has for you or to give into what something or, or to go after what something, there's something else for you. It's all a matter of, of having, a, a, if, if there's always this, this battle of, or this part about choosing where to put your attention and where to rely, put your faith in. So when opposition comes, you know, just realize, listen, it's just something trying to get your attention off what God said to you. Don't fit, don't move your attention. Don't start looking at that tree. Look at the tree of life. Look at the tree of the word, what God has, what's been planted in your life, what's growing in your life. Keep your attention focused there. Keep your attention where it needs to be. Paul here in these scriptures, you know, uh, it's interesting if you go back when, when Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, he had this glorious uh, uh, visitation. He saw the Lord, you know, the Lord spoke to him and, and everybody else knew it was just some, this incredible thing. He, he goes and Ananias prays for him. It's just amazing. He spends all this time uh, uh, in Damascus. Well, you're here in, in the 11th. Go over to Acts. Uh, let's see, this is Acts I always just thought this was funny. Acts chapter nine, you've got this whole deal, you know, uh, going on and, and Paul is just gung-ho for the things of God. I mean, he's just growing and, and, and I tell you what, the enemy's worst nightmare in that area was Paul got born again and got a hold of the truth. And he didn't just get saved, but I tell you, he's on fire for the things of God, right? And so Paul uh, has this, and he's in Damascus, and he's, uh, uh, verse 19, so when he received food, he was strengthened. And Paul spent some days with the, the disciples at, at Damascus. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues, uh, that he was a son of God. Then all who heard were amazed. Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. I mean, that's why he went to Damascus. But he had a glorious uh, uh, encounter, right? And so now he's preaching Jesus. Instead of preaching against him, he's preaching for him. I mean, he was there to bind them. Now he's there to set people free in the name of Jesus. Talk about a change, right? So Paul, verse 20, Paul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, pr uh, uh, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Look what happens. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. You think you've had a bad day? I, 
I don't think so. I don't think of anybody plotting to kill me. But they were plotting to kill him. And all he did was preach Jesus. No doubt people were being set free. People were being healed. People were being born again. Great things were happening. And after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And this wasn't just a, they, they, you know, they, they weren't just, a, this wasn't a casual thing. They were looking for Paul. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. That's pretty bad. I mean, you're preaching Jesus and they have to sneak you out of town in a basket, lower you out of the wall, right? Sneak you out. And all you did was just, just preach the Lord. Well, he might, he might, I'm sure it was easy to say, well, did I do something wrong? Lord, where did I miss it? Do you think Paul had those thoughts? Maybe, maybe it would be easier to not be so bold in what I'm saying. Maybe it'd be easier to just keep my mouth shut a little bit. Well, he, he, was, he was experiencing some opposition. Here in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, he said in verse 22, are, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Uh, I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers, laborers more abundant. In stripes uh, above measure. In prisons. Now this was Paul's ministry. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. I mean, Paul got stoned, drug out of the city and stoned, and they thought he was dead. They thought they actually succeeded in their plan of killing him. I know medical science wasn't the same then as it is today, but you can, you, if you think, so, you, it's pretty easy to know if somebody's dead, right? Are they breathing? Do they have a pulse? And I don't know what was going on, but they thought he was dead. Well, then the disciples came and, and ministered to him, the Bible says, and he was raised up. So he, did he actually die? I don't know. Sounds like he did to me. Was raised up. Anybody, had, anybody been killed for your stand? No, we, we're not there yet, right? He said, uh, uh, in deaths often. That doesn't sound like fun. For the Jew, uh, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. He ought to stay off boats. At night and, at, uh, and, and a day I had been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils, uh, 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 in perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness besides the other things what comes upon me daily my deep concern for all the churches that's a that's a pretty rough list right well opposition we know comes and opposition like I said is is not a sign that we're doing something wrong it really is a, is a sign that you're doing the right thing like I said, there's a difference between opposition or things that come up in your life really as a result of you're missing it somewhere. But when you're taking a stand and believe in God and taking a stand for what's right, when opposition comes your way, don't let that deter you. You're doing something right. You're doing something right, but you have an opportunity. Am I going to look at the opposition or keep my attention where it needs to be on the Lord Jesus? To do and to walk out what he's told me to do. You have that opportunity to make that decision. Am I going to be deterred and look at the tree that I shouldn't be looking at or keep my attention looking where it needs to be? Right? 
Opposition will come, but the good news is opposition goes. God's word never changes, amen? So we have to make sure uh, uh, that we keep ourselves in the position or, or, or rather not be uh, discouraged by opposition. Like I said, as we push forward, we're going to have opposition. As we see more things personally in our own personal lives, we're going to have opposition. People say, well, I just won't grow. It sounds better to not go anywhere. Then I won't have opposition. Well, then you'll have lack and defeat with no answer of how to get out of it. That's not better. No, it's better to find out what the word says, be quick to do it. And when opposition comes, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Amen. Whatever that opposition is, you know, you, you need to stand your ground. Go back with Mark chapter 4. Mark the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4. Verse 17. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You know, that, that word tribulation is just, uh, is just a means to, pre talks about pressure. Just pressure, the, the pressure of this life to try to take, gift you, to get you to take a step back. Don't let the pressure get you or move you off of what God's word said and being a doer of those things. Amen? Don't let the pressure cause you to get off course or change your course from what the Lord's told you to do. I know this is simple tonight, but there is such, uh, you need this. Don't let opposition, don't let tribulation. We know what persecution is. We know what that is. Don't let those things get you off course. If you see others that you know going through opposition, going through tribulation, going through persecution for the word's sake, for the word's sake, don't let that get you off course. Stay the course, amen? Stay the course. Stay the course. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You know, really, this is, this is really talking about your relationship with God. Maintaining your relationship with God. You know, it happened to the uh, Israelites, and it's easy to happen to us, if we're not careful, to become so acquainted with the blessings of God and the grace of God that we forget the blesser, right? And it's so important that you maintain your own personal relationship with God. You maintain these things. It says here that the desire for other things creeped in. Creep in. You know, there is, this is a tactic the enemy uses, a desire for other things, if you remember, you know, Peter, um, uh, he, Jesus had told Peter that, you know, you'll deny me uh, three times. And Peter said, Lord, you know, that's never going to happen. And, and uh, of course, you know, when they captured Jesus, what happened? He denied, Peter denied Jesus three times. I always loved the, 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 the story in the Bible, you know, after uh, Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead you know the disciples were a discouraged scattered bunch you know and I'm sure among nobody more so than Peter were were just kind of kicking themselves you know for the things they had done and 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 uh 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 you know just just realizing he had missed it you know if you've missed it you're in good company a lot of people have missed it 
right? I mean, we've all missed it. And Peter's just kicking himself for the mistakes he'd made. And, and uh, I just love the compassion of Jesus, how much he loves, uh, loves us. After Jesus had appeared to them, after he was raised from the dead, and, and he, was, uh, he appeared to them, appeared to the disciples, he went and ate breakfast with them and was eating with them. And remember, he asked Peter, he said, Peter, he said, do you love me more than these things? You may, you may know that. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these things? And the Bible really didn't tell us specifically what things that the Lord was asking about. I went back and looked at it today. It doesn't really say what things that Jesus was talking about. But he said, do you love me more than these things? What were the things? Does it really matter? Does it really matter what the things were? Do you love me? And Peter said, he said, well, yeah, Lord, I love you. It's interesting that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter answered him three times. The third time he was getting a little aggravated. Well, of course, Lord, you know that I love you. I just, I just thank God for that. Little things like that. That's a side note, but I just think that's really cool. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus gave him three opportunities to set the record straight. So the enemy ever tried to come back and, and give him a hard time about it. He reiterated himself to the Lord Jesus himself personally. You know that I love you three times. Isn't God good? But he said, asked him the first time, he said, you know, Peter, do you love me more than these things? Peter said, of course you do. You know, there are, there are things that try to get our attention. Pastor's talking about kids. You know, I love my kids, but we ought not love our kids more than we do the Lord. All right? You know, that's easy. That's an easy area to put our kids up on a pedestal. And, and you know, well, really, once you, no matter what it is, if you put something on a pedestal or before the Lord, before what the Word says, being a doer of the Word, and you start pursuing anything else, you're making that thing a God in your life. It's sad to say that a lot of parents make their children their God. A lot of people make their careers their, jo- their God. Right? I mean, a lot of people make sports, hobbies their, their God. A lot of people make themselves God. I just don't feel like forgiving that person. I just, don't, I just don't feel like walking in love in this area. I just don't feel like doing that. Well, you're making yourself God in that area. Isn't that good to know? <laughs> but you know, it's important that we, you know, I'm trying to condemn anybody, but you know, we, we have to recognize what it is. A lot of times we see these things as little deals and little things, and, and, and really what it is, it's exalting something above God. You're putting it in a position that God ought to hold, something that you're, you are more mindful, and I say you, I'm talking about we, are more mindful of this or that than we are of obeying what, what he would have us do. In that area, you're making him God of your life or God in that area. Yeah. Right? You know, there are all kinds of things. Success, money, friends, you know, uh, all this stuff. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, Clash of Clans scores. I mean, there's all these things, right? The guys got me involved in Clash of can, Clans. Anyway, I shouldn't have done it. It's just a big time waste. But anyway, praise God. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, any kind of these things. We, we, we laugh, but there's all kind of silly things that we, we lift up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, there, and if you examine your life, all of us have areas in our life where the other things are, not, not to say that we can't enjoy things. You understand that? That we can enjoy things and the Lord wants to. He's given us all things to enjoy. I mean, if they're godly things, they're there for us to enjoy them. Right? I mean, we're to enjoy them. But to the place where we're sacrificing a time with him for those things, then, then that's when we're getting in trouble. Right? It doesn't matter how good it is on the surface. If, if, if we, we promote things above the Lord Jesus, no matter what it is, we become unfruitful. 
The enemy, a lot of times, some opportunities that come our way are not from God. They're opportunities sent from the enemy. Or things that the enemy allows to come into your life doesn't, doesn't, some blessing, some good thing he doesn't keep from you, doesn't fight you on why he's wanting you to get it so that it'll then get you, right? And so the, the desire for other things is an important thing that, uh, uh, that we need to make sure, and yet it can happen to anybody. Go over to uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you're not careful, it doesn't matter what kind of company you keep, the best company in the world but if you're not careful to keep track of your own personal relationship with God, you can get off. It says here in 1 Timothy, uh, or 2 Timothy, rather, uh, chapter 4, Paul was writing. And, and I tell you, you know, Paul, at this point, he was the man that people wanted to be around. And in the, uh, let me find it. Um, I wrote down the wrong scripture. Praise God. Yeah, no, I didn't write that. I was just looking at the wrong thing. Anyways, my, my problem there. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 9, or 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, dear Lord, y'all pray. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, be diligent to come to me more quickly. Notice verse 10, for Demas has forsaken me. This is someone that was with the Apostle Paul, and he had forsaken Paul. You think if you're around the Apostle Paul, that you're, it'd be easy to keep your priorities right. I would think that. I mean, this guy's happening, all this stuff's happening, you know. Well, Demas here, it said, had forsaken him, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Having loved this present world and departed for Thessalonica. You know, it's so important. Anybody, if you're not careful, there's a 24-7 attempt or onslaught to get your attention on other things. You know, we can be experiencing the things of God and revival and the move of God. And even in the midst of that, you can be taken captive by something else if you're not careful. We can, we can be taken captive by something else, get our affection somewhere else, if we're not careful to maintain a, our close personal relationship with God. Amen. The desires for everything. I don't know what that is in your life, but you know what those areas are. And each of us, you know, have, have other things. That we deal with, we need to make sure we keep our perspectives right. Amen. Uh, go with me over back to Mark chapter, Mark the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Is this okay tonight? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. It better be. It's what the Lord put on my heart. If you don't like it, take it up with him, right? <laughs> we want to move into this area though. But these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word. They accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. You know, as we're moving forward, if we'll be careful to make sure that we're not just hearing, but we're letting the word of God register in our hearts and we're quick to respond and keep our affection where it needs to be, you will produce. We will produce. You know, I I challenge you, and I just know this because I know people. I don't necessarily need to have a word from the Lord. I just know this. Each of us here tonight have areas where we need to make adjustments and to change where our priorities are. All of us do, myself included. If if that's true of anybody, I want to see your hand. Let's let's be careful, whatever it is, to, to get a hold of the truth of what God's Word says and be a doer of those things and then stay the course. Because if you'll do those, we will produce some 30, some 60, and some 100. Really, the, the, the degree that you produce is the degree that you submit. Yeah. 
right? The degree that you produce in your life is the degree to which you adhere to and do what the Lord's telling you to do, amen? And, and, and if we'll do that, we'll produce in our lives. Uh, just check my heart here for a second. You know, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I'll just leave it at that tonight. You know, it's, it's such an important thing. Like I said, you know, uh, uh, this is something that we've heard before, things that we've heard before, things that have been ministered here many, many times we've heard. But, you know, it's the simple things that keep us straight. It's the simple things that will keep us on course. Amen. And so I challenge you, if there's areas where, where uh, I'm trusting the Lord, if there's something you need to hear that you didn't just come tonight and hear it, but you'll let the Holy Ghost speak to you about those things. Where we can make adjustments and be fruitful, amen? You know, and myself, just up here, the Lord reminded me of a couple things, and so I'll have to do those things. Amen? If I want to produce, I will. Amen? If you want to produce, you'll have to do the same thing, amen? And the good news, if you'll do, take God at his word, he will do what he said. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.